So welcome to episode seven of Around the Bar. This episode, we are joined by Manav Gupta. Manav is a freelance sports journalist based here in Houston, Texas. In addition to covering high school sports for SB Live, he's the host of Manav Sports Talk on YouTube and now covers University of Houston Athletics. Welcome to Around the Bar, the podcast series where we talk about the law, life, culture, and hopefully have some fun. I'm your host, Ramesh Raghun. Welcome, Manav, to the show. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, you know, thank you so much for the invite. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. So listen, Manav, I know that you have quite the presence uh, on YouTube and you've you've got a lot of really amazing interviews with some really amazing people. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where did you grow up? Where'd you go to high school? That kind of thing. Yeah. So I was born and raised here in the Houston area. Both my parents are from India. They came here about, I want to say about 30 years ago. And born and raised here in Houston and, um, you know, just really loved Houston sports. I, initially, I wasn't into sports for most of my elementary school time. Probably around third, fourth grade, I started watching the Super Bowl. And that's when I started getting into sports because before that was really, really never an interest of mine. But once I started watching the Super Bowl, seeing football, became a huge NFL fan, Texans fan. That's really started, you know, when I started getting into sports a lot, just used to watch it for fun um, in middle school. And then in high school, I realized that I want to make a career out of this. I want to be a sports analyst or, you know, sports commentator, something like that, just to be around sports, talk about it. And, you know, that's a job that I thought was really, really cool to be able to be a, a part of potentially in the future. So that's when I, initially I used to have a sports blog where I used to write about the NFL and do predictions because I always wanted to be on camera and kind of be on TV. So that's when I started my YouTube channel, Mono Sports Talk, and, you know, started gaining more confidence on camera. I wasn't the most, you know, talkative person or, you know, very comfortable on camera. It took me some time for me to get used to that. But that's why my YouTube channel was very important to me because it helped me just get better at what I do. And, you know, my high school wasn't a very big high school. It's, you know, in the Houston area, it was called um, Challenge Early College High School. It's not like a big high school or anything. Didn't have any sports, but I used to do my own thing. Um, on my YouTube talking about the NFL or the Astros or the Rockets. And then that's when I started getting on social media like Twitter and now Instagram. Kind of use that to reach out to different people in the industry. That's when I got my first interview with Rich Eisen, who um, is on the NFL Network. Had reached out to him on Twitter, I think this was in 2021, and, you know, told him about myself, said, you know, I wanted to be in the industry like he is and, you know, would love to have him um, on my show. And he responded and able to get that done. That was the first ever interview I've done, you know, with someone that big. It was such a great experience and it gave me so much confidence to go out and keep asking more and more people. And, you know, like you mentioned, the Altuve interview, that was really where I started to realize this is where I can really try and make an impact by keep getting these interviews. And it's just been incredible to be able to talk to guys that have been, you know, someone that I've been watching on TV saying like, these guys are legends, you know, these guys are my favorite players of all time, like JJ Watt or Altuve, those two are my all-time favorites. And to be able to interview guys like that, I mean, that's just truly tremendous, you know. Um, and I, I, it just, it's such a blessing, you know, to be honest. And I'm so thankful for all the support. So your passion started with you watching the Super Bowl. There's two things I actually want to kind of talk to you about. So it started with yeah. watching the Super Bowl. Uh, that's, that's interesting because typically a lot of kids just, like, they just pick it up as they're, from when they're young, right? 
And for you to kind of have a quote unquote late start picking up sports is pretty interesting. And it's, it's pretty meteoric, your rise into how involved you got into it, especially since yeah. you did start, start a little bit late. The other thing I wanted to say is, listen, I absolutely understand what you're saying. This is only my seventh episode, okay? I've been listening to podcasts since 2007. And essentially why I started listening to podcasts was sports radio got very, very uh, uninteresting for me because it wasn't sports talk. It was guy talk filled in with read-ins and ads and polls. And it was like, they didn't talk any sports, okay? And I used to only listen to one guy. His name is Charlie Palello. He's still my favorite sports analyst in Houston ever because he is he is absolutely cut to the teeth sports talk. Like he is, if you're a sports fan, you want to listen to him because he makes sense. He's reasonable. He's intelligent about it. But I guess the where I was going with this was, let me just tell you, Listening to all these podcasts, I got interested in wanting to do a podcast. You were one of my inspirations as well. And I will tell you this much, Manav, you are so exactly right. It is so much harder than it looks. Because I go back and I listen to now my first couple episodes, and it's cringeworthy to me. And it's cringeworthy. I'm just like, I can't, I cannot believe, you know, I sounded like that. But then again, Hey, it's a lot harder than it looks, you know? You know, you talk about this Rich Eisen interview. How nervous were you before that? I mean, I would be shaking. Yeah, you know, it was it was crazy because it happened, you know, all of a sudden I asked him if he'd be available, you know, today, tomorrow. He said, we can do it today. And I was like, okay. I mean, I got my uh, questions ready and it was like, you know, here we go. Um, you know, he joined the Zoom meeting and everything. And I was like, you know, I just, I got to get this done. I got to do it right. And I, I just I just believed in myself. Obviously, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little nervous before any interview, like any of the guys that I talk to, you know, these days, any players or anybody. I mean, I think it's it's good to be nervous because that means you want to get it right. You know, I was just saying this is the opportunity for me to really do something big. And um, I just took it and I think it went well. So, yeah. OK, so you're in college right now, right? You're at U of H? What I'm at U of H. Uh, journalism. Journalism. Okay, sports journalism specifically? Uh, my major is journalism, but, you know, I do take courses related to, like, sports journalism and stuff. I took a, a sports broadcasting course in the fall, so, yeah. How'd you like that? Oh, yeah, I mean, that was good. Our professor, um, Jerry Trupiano, he actually has been a sports, you know, broadcaster, play-by-play -play for the Red Sox for years, you know. He's called a bunch of teams, so having him, you know, share his experiences, I think, was really good um, yeah. to have someone like him. That's that's amazing. So now that you're doing sports journalism, we'll get to your covering UH athletics in a little bit. Now you're covering sports. You're doing journalism now. You graduate. What's the long term goal? Like, what is the what's Manab's dream job? Yeah, you know, the dream, I think that's what got me started. I think it's really to be a sports broadcaster on any of the major networks like ESPN or Fox Sports or CBS Sports. Like my idol is Jim Nance. And um, he's on CBS Sports to be someone like him, you know, not maybe not play by play, play by play would be great, but you know, anything just being on Sports Center or you know, calling games or anything just on like any of those major networks where you can, you know, talk about some of the big games that are happening. So do you have a preference? Would it be like, you know, to be part of like a team like Callis and, you know, Julia Morales and Blummer, or would you prefer to be more the national? Colin Cowherd, Rich Eisen, those kind of guys. Where's your preference? 
I think, you know, ultimately my preference would be kind of like a national kind of guy like Rich Eisen, but, you know, I'm really happy. I love Houston. I love being here and I'm more than happy to stay here in Houston, depending on, you know, the opportunity. And if it's something like you see with, you know, the Astros like Todd Callis or, you know, Julia Morales, I know Julia, she, she's really awesome. Um, To have some opportunity like that, that would be great because I love Houston and I love the teams here. So that would also be great. Do you follow any uh, Indian sports? Do you follow the Indian cricket team at all? Yes, I do. Cricket, you know, that's like more of a fun thing for me. I don't really, you know, do that on my YouTube or anything, but that's more like a fun hobby, personal thing that I do watch. I watch the whole World Cup, all the matches, um, and that that's just, you know, that's fun. That's a lot of fun, especially because of the World Cup is coming up in 2024 this year and i think in the usa they're doing a match in new york and stuff so yeah they're doing the t20 the t20 and that you know the t20 format changed things and it made it interesting i will tell you i i'm the same way with cricket i i will watch the indian cricket team um you know the test matches that they have in between the tournaments it's it's kind of hard to to follow Mm -hmm. and kind of get up for But, uh, you know, I, I, like you, I watched every match uh, for India in this uh, past World Cup. How unbelievable that they went 9-0 and and ended up losing in the final. But uh, I learned a lot about cricket from watching it, you know. And I think the fact that these guys have become such big stars now has helped, you know. It's helped, and it's also helped my interest. But, yeah, I was wondering if you, if you followed um, all of that. So did you have a, like a, was there ever, you said Nance is your favorite, okay? Um, was there any, you know, as you were growing up, were there one or two guys that you were like, hey, I want to model my, you know, the way I do things after them? Um, I think one of the first people I watched, I used to watch Sunday Night Football all the time. That was one of my favorite things. And Al Michaels would be on the call all the time. He was, I wouldn't say he was like my biggest inspiration, but. Looking at him, I was like, you know what? I want to do that one day. I want to talk about sports and get paid for it and have a job like that. I think that's that really sticked out to it. Kind of, you know, followed him, I guess, a little bit in his style and the way that, you know, he talks about sports and everything. Because that was one of the first guys I saw. And then I think it's just, you know, a lot of different people. It's not like really specific, but I hear people on Sports Center or people here in the Houston area, like even on radio or local TV. I just hear a lot of different people kind of take you know, have some takeaways and really have my own style, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it's it's interesting when you when you survey the landscape of the sports media personalities, you know, there, there are absolutely two ends of the spectrum, right? You have the more cerebral kind of Dan Patrick, Rich Eisen with the, with the snarky yeah. humor. Um, you have the more in-depth, intelligent kind of style with Colin Cowher, Charlie Palillo, then you have, you know, Pat McAfee and Stephen A. Smith, and I don't know what's happened to Jason Whitlock. There used to be a time when he was a normal person, but uh, I don't know what's happened to him. And it's just interesting because when I was growing up, uh, the whole shock jock thing was in was in style, and that's you know like, so like ninety five, ninety six, I was in college, okay, ninety seven through ninety eight, I was in college, and Jim Rome was the guy. I don't know if you yeah. know Jim Rome, yeah, but man, it was all about having a take and don't suck, and you know, get in, get out. It was all this. It was very brash. It was very you know, kind of in your face, and then it kind of changed a little bit. And I think podcasting and you know, 
uh, sports media and the way content was delivered, you know, content is digested, changed. And I, I really think like your generation, the audience has gotten smarter. So you don't, if you wanted guy talk, you can go to Barstool, right? You can go to whatever. But if you want real sports talk, you got to go find guys like yourself. You have to go find other people who do, who do things. And, you know, um, last week or two weeks ago, I had uh, Brett Chancey on from Locked On Astros. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's doing a lot of different things. And it's interesting yeah. to see his, you know, kind of his journey and, and what he's doing. Is this your first year covering U of H athletics? Uh, yes, this is this would be my first year, you know, actually covering it. Last year, that was my freshman year. That was my first year at college at UH. I was just trying to get a feel for things, you know. Never yeah, trying to make decent grades. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was just I was just trying to get used to everything, and you know, I, I joined the paper, um, the college newspaper last year. You know, I I wrote a few games, but I never, you know, covered a football game or basketball game last year. Now this year, that has changed. You know, I've covered a few games this year, and it's been really good. First year in the Big Twelve, um, it's a big step for. Um, UH and really excited, you know, done some stuff in men's basketball and looking forward to, you know, covering them as they keep going. So well, it's been it's, really this fun. is de- definitely an exciting time for U of H sports. I mean, U of H sports was dormant for 30 something years, you know, yeah. um, explain to explain to someone like me who's a novice, what does covering U of H athletics, like when you say, hey, I've covered a few games, what does your role entail for U of H athletics? What does that mean to you? Like, what, what does that mean? To, you know, I don't understand, oh, well, hey, I wrote a few things, but now I'm actually covering it. So if, if I say, Manav, you are covering U of H versus Kentucky basketball, what does that mean? And how do you get that assignment? Right, so I cover UH through either my newspaper, I mean, the college newspaper at the University of Houston, um, or my YouTube channel. Typically, I would get media credentials for my newspaper, the editor, the sports editor would reach out to me saying that, hey, can you, you know, go to the game, write a story about it, like a game recap, kind of mm-hmm. write a story based on what happened exactly in the game. Um, you know, go to the game, then get some, you know, footage from pregame, you know, warm-ups. And then you, you know, you sit in the press box, you write a story about the game, you know, take notes, everything. And then after the game, you go to the post-game press conference with the head coach. They usually bring in a couple of players, you know, ask them a few questions, get some quotes and send the story to him, you know, at the end of the game. That's kind of what it means to to really cover it. And as for my YouTube, you know, I do like a quick stand-up, you know, before the game on the court, previewing the game. Then I do something, you know, after. And then, you know, during the game, take notes or whatever, and then, and then go to the press conference to ask the head coach and players questions. Is there any conflict between Manav Sports Talk and U of H? Like, hey... I know you're covering this for the newspaper, but now I'm using some of this. I mean, obviously, albeit it's different content, but is there any is there any conflict there? Do you have to clear that with anybody? Like, hey, I know I have a credential from U of H for the Daily Cougar or whatever the newspaper's called. And but now I'm gonna use some of this stuff or at least use my access to help my my YouTube channel. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing that. You just really have to notify them before. Um, it, it depends. They've been okay with it so far. So, I mean, okay. you know. Oh, well, so, but they do expect you to, to notify them, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they okay. would. Because they, if so, like, for example, if they found out that you were doing it afterwards, that wouldn't be good for you. Well, yeah, it wouldn't look good because you didn't tell them before. And 
they didn't they weren't like notified of that before because it, it's just the better thing to do you know no and i agree with you i yeah. agree with you i was just you know it was just something that popped up in my head and i was yeah, wondering I, if I there was it. if there was any conflict uh mm -hmm. you've gone to so many games as a fan you go to so many games growing up how different is it when you go to cover the game because it's a job now yeah it's quite different you know it's a different experience at all i mean completely when you go as a fan you're there really to enjoy the experience you know cheer have fun you know eat you know, i mean you can eat when you're in media too you know they it, but you go there as you go there for free it's your job you know to work you can't cheer or anything you go in the press box you have to be completely like unbiased if i'm going to a uh game it's not like i can cheer like for the cougars you know in the middle when they score a touchdown or something <laughs> you just have to stay neutral but i think it's still really cool because i just like being in that atmosphere being there at the game watching it you know at the end of the day watching sports is what gets you into that position so mm -hmm. um i think it's a lot of fun and then it's some work you know you do have to be like hey i gotta write stuff about this you know during the game you have to be you know on top of your whatever your work that you're doing you have to be able to take notes and everything and then i think after the game it's it's cool because you get to talk to the coach or the players ask them questions you know as a fan you're like oh why did they do this play or you know why did they make this call well as media you can ask them that question you know yeah, you don't yeah. have to just be thinking about it so i think i think it's a it's a really cool experience so when you go in to cover a football game or a basketball game do you have any kind of predetermined angles or kind of predetermined you know outlines for your story that you're going to write or do you kind of go in there blank slate and say hey let this game come to me let me see what i notice and we'll go from there yeah i think i think it's that i think more, we don't really come into the game with a specific storyline unless it's you know a certain like landmark is going to happen like this certain player is going to reach this point or um you know it's a big game if it's like a uh versus ut kind of game then you kind of have know storyline heading in otherwise if it's just if it's just a regular game you you basically you know see the opponent you see what uh has you know and you just go from there i don't think it's like you have a specific angle you're just covering the game as it happens pretty much okay what is your favorite part of covering U of H sports like what i know you've been doing it for your sophomore year what's your favorite part about it i think i think in college more so being a part of that atmosphere you know being there and just seeing, you know, the passion. I think in college it's completely different than um, in pro. Um, you know, you got the band, of course, and you know, I think I think it's just such a different atmosphere um, to be there. And then, you know, as a as a student and as a journalist, I think you know it, it's fun because at the same time you're rooting for them, but you can't show it, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I think it's just fun to be able to watch the game, but more so be able to talk to players or talk to head coaches, kind of build a relationship, working relationship with those guys, I think is really cool um, at the end of the day. So as I've done more podcasts, right, I have learned things about podcasting and about hosting a podcast that I could have only learned by going through the motions, right? Like actually doing it. Have you learned or what are a couple of the things that you would say in your experience right now that you've learned actually doing, covering a game, reporting, interviewing, get, get, enlighten us on something like that? Because to me, it's fascinating and I won't be in a position like you. I'm, I'm 48 years old, man. I'm in the third quarter of my life. <laughs> okay. So I'm not going to get there. 
But what I'm interested to hear what something like whether you're at a press conference or whether you're, you know, in the third quarter of a football game is something that you've learned through your experience. You know, I think I think it's so important to be able to, to actually go and do, you know, your thing. You can't keep thinking about it. You have to go and perform. And, um, you know, starting my YouTube channel, I really got to realize, you know, hey, I got to work on the way I talk, the way, you know, the way I my voice flows and, you know, the stats that I use and how I build, you know, my take. Um, I think that takes some time to be able to realize how you can sound more professional. And I grew that by starting my channel and talking and, you know, making videos. And that's kind of how I grew an ability to kind of talk about sports and kind of more like a media fashion, I guess you can say. And I think with interviewing, that that's, you know, one of the most difficult things to do. And initially, I just used to ask questions and that was it. But in interviewing, you have to make it a conversation, you know, like this, and you have to be able to, you know, respond to the answers. And that's what took some time. And you're not going to learn that unless you go out there and actually ask questions to people and to be able to do that with, with practice over time. So, and then with covering it, I think you have to get an idea of really the daily route, the schedule of how things work. I think that's really the most important part about covering it because you have to go here, you have to go there, you have to go to the court, you have to go back up to the press box, then you have to go back to the conference room. You know, you, you have to know where to go, when to do that, and then be able to do your work, you know, in, in between the game and, you know, just get all, all of your, um, I guess, responsibilities done. I think that was something that I, I had to learn um, in the first few games, you know, just how to go through really the process of covering games. How difficult was it to write game recaps under a deadline? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it was very difficult. I think if you watch the game while it's happening and take notes, I don't think it's going to be very difficult. But, you know, if you don't watch the game, sometimes I don't have the opportunity to see the game, you know, you just see the post-game, you know, stats or whatever and try and make a story about it. I think that's when it can be a little bit difficult. But, you know, as a writer or anything in sports, you really have to stay on top of your game and be on time. And that that's a huge part of it because things happen in sports so quickly, you know, and the news changes every day. So you have to be, you know, on top of it. All right. All right, let's talk about your, your, your YouTube show, your YouTube channel and your show. Um, I'm a big fan of it. When did you start your show? How long ago? Well, I had started it just before COVID. I think it was beginning of 2020 when I had just started it. And that was just the start of it, you know, just talking about the NFL pretty much. That was primarily what I was doing. And then I started expanding into NBA and baseball, um, just doing analysis, predictions, post-game, that kind of stuff. Nothing really too fancy. Um, and I just keep, you know, advancing. And then when I started doing interviews, that was, I would say, fall of 2021. That was when I started doing interviews. So, so uh, fair to say you're a football fan first and foremost. Then, then what, baseball or basketball? I would say it would be basketball and then baseball. That's kind of the order of which I got into those sports. But, you know, football for me is always going to be my favorite. And, you know, I've really started a liking for baseball more so because, um, you know, the Astros being so good and, you know, oh, being able awesome. to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're yeah, awesome. Yeah. It makes it easy. And, and <laughs> it makes it easy to like baseball, right? And then, you know, being able to interview a few of those guys, you know, I love those guys. I love Altuve. You know, I love Bregman. I love those guys. So baseball has been, you know, a lot of fun. And then, you know, basketball as well. You know, I, I enjoy basketball too. 
Yeah. Um, you've had some amazing interviews. We've talked, right? Altuve, Watts, Nance. I think you had uh, Dak Prescott and you had Reese Hoskins as well. Those were, two, yeah. two, those were two amazing interviews. Tell me about the Dak Pres- Prescott interview. Oh, yeah, that was, that was great. You know, I think, you know, in the Texas, I think, even in Houston, you'll, you'll see fair share of Cowboys fans here and there. Fair so, share? You I, see a yeah. ton of them. Yeah, Are you kidding see, me? You'll see a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean. But you know what? Not real quick, I'm going to interrupt you. I guarantee you there is no kid in Dallas who wakes up in the morning and goes, I'm a Texans fan. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Whereas we have kids who've grown up in Sharpstown their whole lives who are Cowboy fans. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, I agree. You know, I think, to be honest, there's a reason they're called America's team. They have the most fans. Like, I swear, every... Um, in 2018, I went to the Texans versus Cowboys game, and that was like 50% Cowboys fans, if not more, at the game. I mean, they have so many fans. It's incredible. And I think Dak is, you know, I like Dak. You know, I think he's an awesome quarterback. You know, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks. Um, you know, unlike some people here in Houston, I don't mind the Cowboys. You know, I think the Cowboys are cool. Um, but obviously, if the Texans play the Cowboys, I support the Texans. But um, I think getting to talk to a guy like Dak. He's so awesome. I think his story is is truly incredible because he's overcome a lot in his life. And, you know, I think that that's really inspiring because, you know, his mom, you know, had cancer. Then his dad, I think, did suicide. So and then, you know, he's just battled through everything. And, you know, he's criticized a lot. I think it's simply because he's the quarterback for the Cowboys. I think he's a good quarterback. He gets a lot of slack, um, which I think is a little bit unnecessary. But I think being able to see you, you see how strong of a guy he is, you know, both physically and mentally um, to be able to, you know, be the quarterback of that team. I think that's pretty special. I, I think you hit on something that's pretty, pretty right on there. It, you know, if you're the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, until you win the Super Bowl, you're just going to get a ton of, ton of hate, <laughs> you know, yeah. you just, you know, unless you're Troy Aikman, right? You're just going to get yeah. a ton, a ton of hate. Remind me, you, you got to interview Kelvin Sampson. Well, I've talked to him a few times just in media availability. I haven't had a one-on-one, but okay. I do plan to get one with him. You know, I've, you know, he knows me, and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, building a working relationship with him. So hopefully, I'll get him on the show sometime. Calvin, Calvin's a very, very impressive coach to me. I, I think, I, I think, you know, he has. When you look at what he's done, if you follow his career, he has been successful, or he has at least raised the profile of every team, whether it's NBA or NCAA, because there was a time he was on the Rocket staff and they were better. The defense was better. You know, the team was better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for someone someone like Kelvin. So in addition to all of these guys, uh, who who, what guests do you have lined up? Can you give us a little sneak peek? Do you have anything lined up? Well, you know, I did have Jim Nance um, for an interview this week, which was really um, special for me. That meant a lot because you know, he's my idol. And I think that was a really amazing experience. That was something that you know, I've been working on for some time. And for it to happen this week, I thought was pretty cool. But for the future, you know, I'm still working on things, you know, kind of doing like my own content right now. I'm going to be doing some UH stuff. The semester is about to start next week when I have to go back. So um, yeah. <laughs> your break that. is over. <laughs> yeah, my break is over. Yeah. So I'm planning on doing stuff for UH. Um, you know, player interviews, coach interviews, and um, we'll see, you know, we'll see if, you know, when the Astros come about um, in spring training or something like that, I'll try and, you know, I'll try and figure things out, you know, because 
I'm always looking for, you know, opportunities and people to interview and stuff like that. One of these days, one of these times, you need to make the trip to spring training because you will yeah. get as many interviews as you want. I mean, the access apparently. I've never done a spring training trip. I've heard the spring okay. training trips are awesome. But my advice would be to try to, try to do that because you... You would really get a, a real chance to, to meet a lot of the guys. Mm -hmm. So, okay. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears a little bit. And uh, I think a lot of people, at least the people I know that listen to this podcast, was just, you know, 10 cents on the dollar, probably five cents on the dollar compared to yours. But anyway, let's talk some sports. Let's talk some sports. We have some good things to talk about. I want to mm -hmm. hear some of your thoughts. So uh, I got word yesterday that the game tomorrow at NRG is officially sold out, which, you know, I'm glad to hear. I really wanted them, really wanted the game to be sold out. Um, and I really think that the atmosphere is going to be intense. Do, do you feel, do you feel that Houston is supporting this team differently than they have all the other successful Texans teams? You know, I think I'm really excited about the game uh, tomorrow. Um, you know, I, I am going to the game tomorrow as well, so I'm excited about that. Me um, too, me too. I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. You know, sold-out environment, really excited. This stadium, you know, hasn't been sold out for a Texans game in, you know, I don't know how long, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing a full, you know, packed, loud NRG stadium full of Texans fans. Uh, I went to a Texans game earlier this year was against the Steelers. Um, you know, had to see my guy JJ again in the Ring of Honor, um, and that that was like sixty percent Steelers fans, and I was like, man, this is crazy. The Saints game was the same way. The Saints game was the same way. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I was like, I tweeted out another Texans road game, you know, because yeah. it, it was crazy. I know they play they they're playing at home, but I mean, it's kind of a road game for them. It's kind of crazy, um, but I think. I don't think the Browns are, have that kind of fan support like a team like the Steelers do. So I think it's going to be home field advantage for Houston uh, tomorrow. I think this team is just so exciting. One, I think that's a huge reason why this team is being supported the way it is. I think especially now the last few weeks, you have an amazing quarterback. You have CJ Stroud, who I think is the greatest rookie quarterback I've seen. I think he's a top five quarterback in this league already. Um, when you have a guy like him, he's well-spoken. He is an inspiring story. He's great at what he does. He's fun to watch. When you have a guy like him, people are going to come out and support. You know, they saw that with Deshaun Watson when he was here before, you know, all that stuff happened. Um, and then uh, I think really when you had, you, they had a head coach in Bill O'Brien that the fan base was just not into. They were just not believing in him. But you bring in D'Amico Ryans and everything changed because he is a former Houston Texan. Um, I think that's that's a huge part of it. He's had success with the 49ers, and you come here, and he's really brought the energy. Uh, you watch his, people who watch his post-game, you know, speeches, they get pumped up themselves. I mean, this is a guy that they like as a head coach, and they think that they can win a Super Bowl. So I think that's why this team is being supported more, because they've made the right moves, um, and they have the right coach and quarterback, and I think that's that's a big reason you you said it right there. I my mantra for the NFL is you will not win without coach and quarterback. You need both. And yeah. we finally seem to have both. And you know, yeah. to your point what I will tell you is I feel like the reason why there's such, you know, fervor around this team is because look, 
you know, the teams in the past, I'm, you know, the J.J., Andre, DeAndre Hopkins, Arian Foster, those teams, those teams were great, okay? I mean, they were winning 10 games. They were winning 12 games in some seasons, right? Um, but yet, you always knew, and I don't want this to sound as an insult, but you always knew that they were soft. Like, they weren't going to go to Baltimore and win. They weren't going to win a road game in Pittsburgh, right? You just felt that, right? You didn't have that confidence in them, okay? You felt that they were good. You knew that they could win a home playoff game, right? This team, with CJ, with Nico, with Noah Brown, with Devin Singletary, with Schultz, with all, this entire team, including the defense, I honestly think they can win anywhere. I don't care where they play. Even if even if we end up having to play Baltimore next week, right? If after we take care of the Browns this week, even if we have to take care, yeah. I like our chances. I think we're going to be good. Is Baltimore the best team? Yes. Will they probably have a better shot at winning? Yes. But that doesn't tell me that I don't think we can win that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm. I think I think this team has a shot. When you have a guy like CJ Stroud, I think you can win games. But more so. Um, with D'Amico, you know, I trust his coaching and I trust his ability to make adjustments. And I think if they go on to play a Baltimore team, this is going to be the second time they play Baltimore in, in since they played in week one. I think D'Amico, you know, is going to have a game plan. I think, you know, CJ is obviously going to look a lot better. And, you know, who knows, you know, they, you just don't know with this team that they can go as far as they want. I think, I think that's what's special about this team. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, thoughts on, on da- your boy Dak hosting the Packers? That, that's going to be yeah. a tough game. It's going to be a tough, tough game. I'll be rooting for the Cowboys, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, I think, personally, I think this is a win for the Cowboys. They're, they're undefeated at home. Um, Packers, number seven seed. Jordan Love's looking pretty good to me. He looks kind of like a copy of Aaron Rodgers when, when he throws sometimes. I can see that. In him, but they're too young. I think the Packers, they just don't have enough experience, enough great players on their team right now. The Cowboys are loaded on both sides um, with great players. And I think with the way they've been playing at home, I think I think they can honestly roll, you know, and beat the Packers quite easily, to be honest. Um, um, and then if they win, they might have to play a Lions team, and that's where it gets really interesting for the Cowboys. But I think this week, this this needs to be an easy win for them. If they lose, then I think, God, I don't even know what's going to happen over there. <laughs> you make me laugh with that because you're right. Oh, God, I don't know what will happen if they lose in the first round. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that is so true. Now, D, let me ask you this, just sticking on the NFC side of the ball. San Francisco, they're the real deal, huh? Mm-hmm. I agree. I think I think they're going to the Super Bowl. They're my Super Bowl, actually, winner um, still. I know they didn't look good against Baltimore. But having a second chance to play them, I felt like they can make the adjustments and, and win. And I think that defense, after what Lamar did to them that first time, they're not going to allow that again. So I'm still going to go with 49ers. I think they're the best team on both sides um, You know, at this point. I think they're really, really strong. All right, let's switch back to the AFC real quick. Give me your thoughts on Kansas City. Yeah, they've been looking really different this year. I think more so the offense is, is just so strange. Their defense has been playing almost like a top 10 defense. I'm not worried about their defense. They've been making some plays. The offense is where it gets concerning for me because, one, Kelsey's just not been looking like himself. I don't know if it has anything to do with, you know, Taylor Swift or whatever, but, like, <laughs> there's a whole lot of things going on with him. Um, and then Mahomes, I think he's been good. 
But the problem is his, you know, supporting cast. I think his receivers more than anything, they've been letting him down. The, Mahomes gets out of trouble. He makes a great throw and then they just drop it or, you know, something happens. And they've been making a lot of penalties. Those are mistakes that you don't see from the Chiefs. So they've not been looking like themselves, but the playoffs is where they do their thing. So who knows what they do? I see. I agree with you. I think they're, they're ripe. They're ripe to get picked. But um, how much of that do you think has to do with the loss of Eric Bieniemy? Because he was so focused on execution and and hard on the players about executing. And now, you know, to your point about the offense, right? Yeah, Mahomes has been playing fine. But, you know, you got guys lining up in the neutral zone. And, and, and if you notice, the, the fact that they're not even doubling Kelsey anymore on some of these routes, and, and like none of these other guys, Pacheco or Kadarius Tony or any of these guys, are able to, to pick up the slack, it's just it's interesting. They're not finding open spaces, and they're not executing. And to me, that is what has been the biggest difference with, with Kansas City. But I also think, listen, the NFL is a game of parity, right? And it's been attrition. This team does not look anywhere near like the 2019 team or the 2021 team or, the, I mean, the 2022 team. Do you know what I'm saying? And they just, yeah. they don't look the same. And, you know, the war of attrition will, will, will happen. It'll get to you. It's happening to the Astros right now. Look at all the guys we've lost, you know, Cole, Springer, Correa. You know, I mean, we could just go down the list, but that's what happens, right? And these guys, once these guys leave, I, I really think that they, you know, listen, in the NFL, you know this as well as I do. A wild card weekend, somebody's getting upset. Somebody big time is getting upset, right? Every year, somebody, there is some game that just comes out of nowhere. Somebody big gets upset. So out of these four games, to me, that Kansas City game, to me, looks like that's where I could see Kansas City dropping a game at home. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the weather over there, I think it's minus eight as a low. Tomorrow there, the wind chills will be minus 30. I think that I mean, favors It, it is the Dolphins, yeah, yeah. too, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think the weather, one, favors the Chiefs a lot. I don't, I don't trust the Dolphins at all. They haven't beaten any really great teams. I mean, they did beat the Cowboys, but the Cowboys often screw themselves. We've seen that. But I think I think with the Dolphins, too, I don't trust him, especially in this kind of weather. I think the Chiefs are far more prepared. They can run the ball really good. Their defense can be locked down in this kind of weather. So, I mean, I think the Chiefs can beat the Dolphins, but after that, I, I just don't think they can go very far. You know, if, if the Texans played, the Chiefs, you know, this I would have picked the Texans to be very honest to beat the Chiefs. Um, yeah. Even in Kansas year. City, even in Kansas City. Yeah, even in Kansas City, I just, I just trust them. I don't know why. It's just like a, okay. more of a gut feeling with them. Okay, that's fair enough. I, I wanted to ask you this. To me, the most interesting, intriguing game of this entire Wild Card Weekend is Detroit and the Rams. I. I think that that game is, one, you've got a Detroit fan base that is absolutely starved. I mean, to, I mean, they've had 20-plus years of ineptitude, okay, including a winless season. Like, if there's any team that deserves to be good, and I think it's quite ironic. It's like the first time Detroit wins a division, plays a home playoff game, and guess who's coming to town? Matthew Stafford, I mean. Matthew Stafford, exactly, right? And it's it's just it's it's just irony because like you know you feel for those guys. You know how much Matthew Stafford was a Detroit guy, right? I mean he was their guy. They loved him. They loved him. They were rooting for the Rams to win the Super Bowl just because because of Stafford. So I think mm -hmm. that is uh, quite honestly the game of the weekend because 
Hey man, I can see the Rams win. I can see the Lions winning. I don't. I, I can't tell you who you know mm-hmm. who who's gonna pull pull that out. I don't even know what the line is on that game. Um, it's Lions minus three, so the Lions are hosting. So it's basically a pick 'em, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. three points is typically what they give you for for home field advantage, and uh, yeah. so they've got it, uh, you know, as a pick 'em. But in any event, I I think that the the NFL has an amazing product. I think the playoffs are where it gets really awesome. I'm really excited about the next two weekends because it's two full days of football, you know. Um, I don't like the Monday night football game, playoff game. I I could do without that, but okay, we'll deal. And um, so you told me you had San Francisco. Who's your AFC prediction? Take the Texans out. Who's your AFC prediction? I mean, I would still go at Baltimore at this point. I I just don't think there's really a convincing team. I think a Interesting team would be the Bills. I think they really have a shot this year, but the Chiefs not looking as good. I think the Ravens are beatable. Um, I just, you know, Lamar Jackson hasn't looked too convincing in his playoff starts before. Um, I, I, I like the Bills too, but I think the Ravens are are just too dominant on both sides at this point. So you heard it here, MG Sports Talk, predict, pre- announcing the Ravens and 49ers Super Bowl rematch, yeah. huh? Uh, last question on the NFL playoffs, uh, real quick. What's wrong with the Eagles, man? What, what, like, what's happened? What happened to them? Uh, I don't, I mean, it's crazy. They, they were looking really good. They're looking like they might get the number one seed and then they've plummeted. And the Cowboys have won the NFC East and they're now at the five and they're going to be playing a Bucks team that, um, with Baker Mayfield, I think can beat them. I would pick the Bucks to win this one. Um, I, I like Baker Mayfield. He's been playing really good this year. For most of the games um and the Eagles I think I don't know I, I maybe it's their head coach I don't know what it is they just don't have that energy that the way they were playing the way they've been playing is just bad um everywhere they they got destroyed by the Giants I mean for you to get destroyed by the Giants that that you must be playing really bad I think Jalen Hurts has not been playing very good um at all their defense has been giving up letdowns um they're just not looking like the Eagles, you know, right now. And, you know, people have been blaming each other. Um, I feel like, I don't know, I just don't feel like they're playing as a team this year. Um, I think last year they were playing really good, and it's just been a complete change. Um, to be honest, you know, I'm not a huge Eagles fan. You know, I don't really like the Eagles either, so I'm okay with it. But, you know, I think I'm, I'm just surprised that they've been looking this way. Well, and, and the reason why I asked is because, like, I, you know, I, I respect your football knowledge, and I wanted to see what your thoughts were because there was a time when they were 9-1 and one or 10-1, and one, Manav, mm-hmm. and, like, I really thought that they were the juggernaut. I really thought that. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, they got that all-Georgia front seven and all of that. You know what I mean? And, yeah. like, I was yeah. just like, I, I really thought that, whoa, the Eagles have it on. And then it's just been, it's just been laying egg after laying egg after laying egg. And they've lost like five games in a row or whatever they've lost. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. So, all right. I got a couple more questions. I know we've been at it for a little bit, but just a couple more things for you. Uh, how much do you credit Cal and Hannah McNair for the Texans turnaround? I would give them, I would give them some really good credit here. I think for him to step up, get rid of Jack Easterby, that was a great step. Um, that was a huge, that was the number one step to get rid of that guy. You know, <laughs> the Texans have He was have an been, absolute cancer to this organization. I, I, exactly. I mean, they were, who knows the direction this organization would have gone if they kept him. I mean, that that was a, great. I think it was about time. And I think Cal realized it himself. 
And for him to do that, I think that was a great, that was the first step to be able to get this organization back on track. Um, and then for him to go get D'Amico Ryans was another brilliant move. That was what the fans wanted. And they got him. And he turned out to be a great coach that pretty much a lot of people were expecting. People thought he was going to be good, but I don't think people thought he was going to be this good. I mean, with the way he's been leading this team um, already, I think those two moves are really good. Um, I think Nick Casario, you know, having him on this team for some time, I thought that I always believed in Nick Casario. I think he's made some great moves um, with this team. Uh, I think I think Cal has, has made a couple of great moves. You just need a couple of good moves, get a couple of things right. The two main things are Easterby and then getting your head coach. And once he did those two things, I think I think everything really set itself up, set itself up pretty much. You know, the Easterby thing is, it's mind-blowing. When I went back and read about this guy, you know, you, you have a guy who starts off as, like, the player liaison chaplain, right? So he's mm -hmm. the team is encouraging the players to go and talk to him about their problems and what's going on in their lives, okay? So they go to him, they open up, they, they become vulnerable to him, okay? Then within a span of months, he's all of a sudden on the other side of the table now making roster decisions, you know? And it's like, yeah. wait a minute, I just unloaded my personal life to you and now you're going to use that against me when it comes yeah. to these roster decisions. And I just, I found that kind of management just uh, beyond negligent. I, you know, it was, it was almost criminal to, to, in, in, some, in some extent. But uh, listen, I think that they've done a good job. I think they've done a great job, the McNairs too, of staying out of the spotlight, letting D'Amico and letting CJ get it. So, um, yep. you know, they've done a, done a really, really good job with that. Um, Astros, my favorite team. Is the window closing? Is 2024 our last real real shot at this um i think that's that's really tough i think that's pretty interesting because i think i think they have a shot again in 2024 to do it they have a great team again um i think you know you're gonna have bregman at least for 24 um you know i think locking up Jordan was huge um you know a couple of years back to get him i think when you have a guy like him who i think is the best hitter in this league i mean in the planet pretty much um uh, to have a guy like him, I think you have a shot. But in baseball, you need more guys. It's not like if it's not like a CJ Stroud can you know carry you. I think in baseball, you need more guys. And if they can keep Bregman, um, I would like their chances um, every year. Um, I think their pitching—they've been so good. They have so many great young pitchers. Their pitching staff is loaded. Um, they've been able to keep the bullpen solid each year um, with acquisitions and stuff like that. So. You know, I like their pitching. Um, I know they messed up in against Texas. Um, it was really odd because at home they were messing up on the road. They were pitching great. I just that is just beyond me. You know, it's it was like 2019. You just it just doesn't process. I think I, I like their pitching as long as that home road stuff doesn't happen again. Um, yeah. I think I I think their pitching is good. I think with you keep you know a couple of bats. I think Jordan is really good. You have Altuve who's still looking great. Tucker. I think Chaz McCormick's been really good. Dubon's been good. You have Yarner Diaz this year, who's going to be the starting catcher. That's a huge win right there. And hopefully Pena will be back um, to what he was before. Um, and you ha you still have a great lineup. So I'd like this year, if they can keep Bregman, I would really like their chances, you know, moving forward. But it, it will get certainly harder um, after this year, for sure. 
That would be great, you know. Uh, I think that, listen, I think it's been an amazing window since 2015, right? Mm -hmm. All the yeah. way through uh, through now, and that's a 10-year that's a stretch. And, like, I know I'm a lot older than you, so you didn't get to suffer the way I have <laughs> <laughs> when I was your age with the Astros never having won a playoff series and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So this has been amazing. I'm just afraid that at some point, I know 2024, I'm really bullish on and optimistic. I'm just afraid at some point attrition is going to get you. If they don't keep Bregman, if they don't keep Fromber, if they don't keep Tucker, like, yeah, you're going to have guys coming up. But you have to remember, we had years of high draft picks, right? Now we haven't had high draft picks in years. And we had a couple years where we didn't have our first and second rounders. So there's... And not to mention, if you think about it, Mona, for the Grinky trade, the Verlander trade, the Cole trade, we traded 14 of our top prospects, right? And then Verlander again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Verlander again. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, but so, you know, I'm a little bit worried. But look, as far as next year goes, I think the Astros have a chance. I really hope they can cash one in one more. Uh, I'm still not over 2019. I'm still not over it. I'm still not over it. I, I every time I go to the stadium and I look at the gold pennant and I see the the bronze 19 for the league, I'm like, God. 2021 for some reason doesn't bother me. I just feel like we were never yeah, in that, that world. Doesn't. Yeah, that just doesn't bother me. 19 bothers me, and and 23 bother me because I feel like we would have smoked the D-backs, and I feel oh, like yeah. we I mean, should have won. <laughs> that, that wouldn't have been a series. They would have. Yeah, I feel like we should have titles in 17, 19, 22, and 23, and, you know, like, I think that that's where we are. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you one question that I'm not too well-versed on. U of H basketball, chances going mm -hmm. to the Final Four. I know it was a big letdown last year when they lost in the Elite Eight, right? Uh, Sweet 16. Oh, they lost in the Sweet 16. Yes, yes. Yeah. After going to the Final Four the year before. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's been, it's kind of been like a backwards kind of jump for them. They were in the Final Four 2021, which was huge. First time since 1984. 2022, they reached the Elite Eight. They were filled with injuries. And I think that that was, you know, as far as they were going to go. And then last year was obviously disappointing because everyone, I think a bunch of UH alum fans, everyone here in Houston are expecting them to, that was their chance. You know, that was kind of like where the stars were aligned final four here in Houston. Jim yeah. Nance's last time on the call. Um, uh, they felt like that was it. And um, it, it didn't, it didn't happen. And that, that was unfortunate, but this year, I really like their team. I think this year their team is better than last year. Uh, they don't have a guy like Marcus Sasser or, Ajaris Walker, but mm -hmm. their team is better this year. They have more depth. Um, mm -hmm. I think they have some really good players, you know, both young and a lot of veteran guys who I think can really help them. Um, they got a guy from Temple, um, Damian Dunn, who's a senior. Um, they have some really great guys. Jamal Shedd has been really good this year. Uh, you just have a lot of experience, and then you have some really talented young guys. So I think this team is far more complete, and I think they can go farther. They won't get worn out. I think. Last year, you were relying heavily on the starting lineup with Walker and Sasser and Shed. And this year, you can rely on the bench just as much. So I like their chances this year to go farther and reach the Final Four. Um, I think they can do it. And they'll get more respect this year now that they're in the Big 12. They can get some big wins. They're going to have Texas coming here. Texas isn't that good this year. Um, they're 25. But 
they can if they can get a win over Texas, you know, that's a big one. You know, they have a lot of chances to really make some statements. And I think they can do it this year because it's, they're playing in a higher league. They can get used to that kind of competition throughout these months. Yeah, and, and look, they they have a chance. They have a few statement games from when I look because I did a little bit of research before I had you on and I knew you were yeah. a U of H guy, so I, I saw that they have a couple statement games that they can make before the conference tournament, right? And, yeah. you know, that's going to really help their chances as to, one, going into the conference tournament and, two, going into the big tournament, right? Mm-hmm. So, um you watch other podcasts? Uh, do you watch any national podcasts at all? Like, do you uh, follow any other podcasts? Um, Podcast-wise, not really as much. More so, you know, kind of like, I mean, I typically just follow the games or, you know, tune into ESPN um, mm-hmm. at times or SportsCenter and different stuff like that. NFL Network, for sure. You know, I don't really listen to a whole lot of podcasts because more so I have to, you know, manage my own. But, um, <laughs> right. so. I do listen to radio a lot, 610. I like 610 because I'm friends with Sean Pendergast on the morning show, 6 to 10 a.m. So I like 610. I tune into 790 here and there. I mean, I like the Houston stations. You know, I... I, Do you listen to 97.5 at all? Yeah, yeah, I listen to 97.5 as well. Um, I do like the local coverage, you know, by, you know, KPRC and stuff like that. So a lot Mm -hmm. of local, you know, local Houston coverage and um, occasionally, you know, national as well. Yeah, I'm a big, uh, I've been listening to John and Lance for like 30 something years, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they, yeah. they're just a Houston institution. But like I said, Charlie Polello has always been my guy. He's been my favorite guy. Um, uh, now he's part of the Sports Map Network. So mm-hmm. we, he, do, he does a lock, he does a Stone Cold Astros, which was a great show during the Astros season. Um, they do Texans rap. Um so wherever I can catch any of his content, I, I do. Um, but I also, like, in terms of the national stuff, I like to uh, – I, I check out the guys from All the Smoke, you know, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. It's very entertaining, great interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple. I listened to Bill Simmons. He was the first podcast mm-hmm. I ever listened to. So okay. even though he hates Houston, I, I still listen to him. <laughs> Um, but you know, and and in the ringer network, I'll listen to some of those, but okay. Listen, man, I know we've been at it for, for a little bit here. Just to gonna, uh, the way I like to end the show is with a couple of little, you know, quick hits. And these are just off the wall, random questions. Um, and let's just see what you think. So the first one I have for you are three favorite places to eat in Houston. Um, Dorchi tacos. Um, I like. I mean, I like Indian food. You know, I you know I go to <laughs> go to Hillcroft. Uh, there's a place called Chapati Chat, which I really like. London Sizzler. Uh, you like London Sizzler? Been to London Sizzler. Yes, I've been there. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, some other places. I don't really have like a huge, you know, list to be honest. Um, you know, but those two are my. I I really like those places. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, so, in your lifetime, the Mount Rushmore of Houston sports athletes. Your lifetime. How many is that? Like four? Four. four? Yeah. yeah, I would go my life. Well, my lifetime, I think it would be um, Altuve, Watt, maybe James Harden. I think I would put him up there just in the Rockets haven't won anything, but you know, he was so dominant during my time um, when I watched him. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, I would put 
Jordan, just the way he's been killing it recently. Yeah, I was going to say, for me, it'd have to be Jordan or Verlander, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a huge Verlander guy. I, I mean, I yeah, just think yeah. that he's been amazing. Two Cy Youngs, two no-hitters, all of that stuff while he's been here, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. If you could change the outcome of one Astros or Texans game in your lifetime, what would it be? Uh, 2019 game seven. Dude, that, that is the universal choice of, the, of everyone. Okay, and I know you had your idol on Jim Nance. My final question for you is your dream guest on your sports show. Well, yeah, to be honest, I've already, you know, had some of my guys on there, but I think I would be, um, I would like Mahomes. Mahomes, yeah, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. You ever reached out to him? You tried? Have you tried any any way to get? Yeah, you know, I've been I've been thinking. You know, I've been trying to reach out. You know, I reached out to him on Twitter on DM, but obviously these guys don't check him. So. <laughs> well, maybe their yeah. media guy will check it. <laughs> yeah, who knows? You know, but you gotta try. You know, you gotta try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Manuf, I I can't tell you. One, I was really, really super excited when you said yes. I been looking forward to this all week our my show producer daniel leal he is a big fan of yours as well he was um super super stoked he actually helped me write some of the questions um right. so that we could get to you uh Manab, you are very very inspiring to a lot of people man and i'm really really impressed you're an indian kid from sugarland i'm an indian kid from sugarland and like it means a lot to me to see you following your dream and I'm really proud of you, bro. And I wish you nothing but absolute success. And we'll be rooting for you the entire way, okay? And you keep up, you keep up the good work because you're hitting the ball square, Manav. You are hitting it square. So you keep doing what you're doing, man. And I can't wait to see where you're going to end up. And, I, and on behalf of my team here and everyone, we can't thank you for taking the time out of your schedule um, to spend, spend an hour with us. Well, you know, I really appreciate all the kind words that, you know, really means a lot that, you know, you guys support me the way you do. And I, it was, it was really a great conversation, really enjoyed it. You know, I thought, you know, you guys are doing a really great job as well. Again, you know, those words mean a lot. You know, I've been working, I do it, you know, to grow my career, but then to be able to have, you know, people like you really appreciate it means a lot. So thank you so much and really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely, Manav. I'm a big fan, okay? Yeah, thank you.